Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Are you afraid? Are you very, very afraid? Many of our fears develop out of ignorance, out of a lack of information. They arise because we do not have adequate knowledge about something or someone. Since we're unsure about them or the potential consequences of dealing with them, we keep our distance. Now, sometimes this caution is helpful and and healthy. It can protect us from harm and danger in situations we haven't faced before. And this can be a very wise thing until we have the opportunity to find out more and to make a better judgment about how to proceed. Other times we simply don't want to know the truth, and so we let our ignorances develop into assumptions or prejudices. When we do make the effort to discover the truth, however, we often find that our initial fears were unfounded. It was simply our lack of knowledge that caused us to remain captive to these fears. Discovering the truth, then, moved us out of a state of bondage into a state of freedom, of newfound confidence. And perhaps it even moved us to a state of happiness and a a boldness to find out even more to grow less and less fearful. Some might think it's ironic that the motto of the Central Intelligence Agency is taken from the Bible. In fact, it comes from our Gospel lesson for today. That motto is, the truth will set you free. Now, whoever selected this motto may or may not have been a Christian, but he recognized a very fundamental fact. There is tremendous power in the truth. In matters of national security, knowing the truth about our adversaries can help us to focus resources and to prepare to meet challenges. But this fact applies to us in other aspects of life as well. Knowing the truth often removes fear. It breaks the bonds which keep us captive. It is a freeing power that lets us breathe a deep sigh of relief and to move ahead with confidence. Today's Gospel lesson speaks of bondage, of truth, and of freedom. It shows the distinction between law and Gospel, and it clearly demonstrates the difference between a worldly perspective and a heavenly viewpoint. We celebrate the Reformation of the Christian Church today. We remember the actions of those brave and inspired men who helped to spark the development of what has become known as Lutheran doctrine. We can be thankful that God brought the truth to them. We can be thankful that this truth has been handed down to us through nearly five centuries of Lutheranism. We can breathe a sigh of relief also that it has led us and those who share the faith with us out of bondage and fear and uncertainty. We can rejoice further that it has led us into the freedom and confidence in that truth that knows that we are made God's beloved children. Not by our own struggles and works and merits, but solely by the gift of faith in God's redeeming work in Jesus Christ. 
and for Christ's sake alone. As Jesus speaks to the Jews in our Gospel lesson today, it becomes apparent that He is dealing with those who had initially believed in Him, but were now starting to fall away. Perhaps they were looking for a different sort of Messiah, one to triumph over their worldly oppressors rather than against their eternal enemies. Perhaps they couldn't handle His claims to be the Son of God. And perhaps His message that they were sinful and needed to repent offended them. For whatever reason they were now rejecting Him, Jesus makes it clear that only by holding faithfully to His teaching would they belong to Him, would they truly be His followers. If they did so, they would be blessed to know the truth and would be set free. Their response shows all too well that they did not understand His message of divine truth at all. For they replied in a way that not only had a worldly focus, but was even dishonest. Never in bondage, they said. Even in a worldly sense, this was patently false. The Egyptians, Assyrians, Babylonians, Persians, Medes, and Greeks had all had their turns as masters over God's chosen people. And even now, the Romans ruled Palestine. And a despised non-Israelite figurehead king, Herod, shared responsibility for governing their land. But Jesus looks beyond their pride of ancestry and false freedom. He sees the enemy which had held them and held all people captive since that fateful day in Eden. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Sounds like you and me, doesn't it? Paul writes in today's epistle lesson a phrase we've heard often and should continually take to heart. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this lack of difference is not only between believers and unbelievers. Paul is pointing out that no matter how we may classify people as good or bad, better or worse, in God's eyes, all of mankind could be considered unholy, unrighteous, damnable sinners who deserve nothing but death and eternal punishment. You and I have no more valid claim on being forgiven and being allowed to live than the most notorious criminal, the cruelest dictator, the most immoral and evil person you can think of. As one of our rites of confession reads, we confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. And whether that bondage to sin puts short or long chains upon us or burdens us with heavy or light yokes, we are still slaves. We would still be only second-class temporary members of God's household. When our time of servitude was over, we would be cast out, discarded, banished with no birthright and no inheritance. In large part, it was through study of the book of Romans that Martin Luther was led to many of the theological discoveries which helped to trigger the Reformation. Like the people of Israel in their early times, the church had in its early centuries been largely faithful to the Lord's direction. Like Abraham's offspring, it had overcome numerous threats and obstacles to become his chosen instrument as a light to all of the nations, leading many in the way of salvation. Yet over the centuries, like those Israelites, the church had drifted away. 
Men began to rely on their own judgment, their own guidelines, their own interpretations of God's will, rather than going to the source of all knowledge and all truth. What had started out as Christ's own pure bride, married to the perfect truth of the Word made flesh, the church had instead become a perverse harlot, ruled by fleshly powers who claimed their own word to be the truth. In their quest for power and fame and glory, they had imposed rights and rules and regulations so complex and precise and rigid as to make a Pharisee blush. Even a faithful follower such as this Wittenberg monk, who conscientiously tried to conform himself to all of the church's guidelines, was driven to despair. Luther literally beat himself up over his sin, and he lived in terror and in agony. Luther was convinced of his own perpetual damnation to the point that he was angry with God for making his life in the church so hopeless. But it wasn't God who had made Martin's life so hopeless. It was Luther himself. In trying to please God through the performance of works, through the keeping of the law, Luther recognized his own weakness and unrighteousness and sinfulness. So it is for us as well. Among the truths about which Jesus spoke and that Paul wrote and that Luther discovered, we have this. That everyone who sins, and that's every single one of us, is a slave to sin. That through the law we become conscious of that sin. We realize that we can do nothing of ourselves but to remain silent in the presence of a holy and perfect God to whom we are accountable. We have fallen short of His glory. And our sentence for this shortfall is death. The Jews to whom Jesus was speaking this day chose to remain under the old covenant. They put the reliance for their righteousness and their salvation on their ancestry and on their imperfect conformance to the law. But Jesus was speaking of the new covenant. Not the broken covenant of works, which was not kept by Israel nor by any of us. Rather, the new covenant would be one in which God would imprint His will in men's minds and hearts through the working of the Holy Spirit. And whether we are the greatest or whether we are the least, we will know the Lord. We will know the truth. And He will forgive our wickedness and remember our sin no more. When this wickedness is forgiven and this sin is remembered no more, we become righteous in God's sight. Not righteous because we ourselves are blameless, but a righteousness which originates in God Himself. Righteousness which comes to us, in the phrase of the Reformation, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Grace alone because it is God's free and generous gift to undeserving sinners. Faith alone because we cannot gain it by works or by internal spiritual struggles. Christ alone, because only He was the perfect sacrifice of atonement, whose blood redeemed your sorry selves from the debtor's prison of eternal hell. By His suffering and death, you have been justified. By His feeling the wrathful punishment of God's divine justice against all that is sinful and unholy, you are declared not guilty. You are freed from your death sentence. Jesus said that those who hold to His teaching would be His disciples, that is, those who are placed under His discipline, His guidance. And His teaching is this, that He was the incarnate Son of God, that He would die for the sins of the whole world, 
that He would rise again on the third day and that we should love and serve God and our neighbor until the day of His glorious return. How much more blessed is it to remain under the easy yoke of Christ than under the unbearable burden of sin and the devil's accusations. Jesus, in the words of the hymn, breaks the cruel oppressor's rod and sets the prisoner free. We can only be made free by the truth, by the certainty that Jesus is the long-promised Messiah, that His life and death and resurrection provide the means for the forgiveness of sins, for reconciliation to God, and for assurance of eternal life. To know the truth is to know the Son. Jesus, the Son, He is the truth who sets us free from our bondage to sin. In your baptism, you were not only made washed clean of sin and made a child of God from that that day forth. There, when that water was splashed upon you, it instantly corroded and then dissolved and finally broke the chains of sin's bondage under which so much of humanity still continues to dwell. Yet we live in liberty, rejoicing in the Gospel of Christ Jesus even while seeking all the more to be obedient to God and to show His love to our neighbors. As Luther wrote, we must distinguish between the Christian life lived in faith and that lived in love. Faith is queen over all laws. The Christian means to be justified through grace alone, and so he is free from all laws. But in the other area, that of love, the Christian is subject to all laws, bears the law and the burdens of the law according to the old man, seeks to serve and to promote the good of his neighbor. Furthermore, Luther wrote, A Christian is a free Lord of all and subject to no one. A Christian is a ministering servant of all and subject to everyone. We have been freed of our sins and of the condemnation of death and eternal punishment, and we've been granted our liberty in Christ, the Son and the truth who has set us and all Christians free. In the Reformation, the church likewise was freed of the shackles of man-made law and regulation. It was given once more to spreading the gospel message of the forgiveness of sins and of life everlasting by grace through faith in the merits of Christ alone. Without any worthiness, without any merit on our part. We go forth from this day redeemed, justified, and with the mission that our Lord has given all of us. A final quote from the blessed reformer. The greatest of all services to my fellow man is to free him from sins, to liberate him from the devil and hell. But how is this done? Through the Gospel, by telling him that he should cling to the works of Christ and firmly believe that Christ's righteousness is his and his sins are Christ's. This, I say, is the greatest service I can render my fellow man. God has given us our freedom in Christ. And the Son is the way, the truth, and the life. May He keep His church in faithful service and in loving bondage only to His truth, free to love and to serve Him and one another according to His Word. In the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. Amen.